If you have your Bibles, open up to John chapter 15. We're going to continue through the Gospel of John. Grateful to be back with you today. Had a good couple weeks of vacation. I know Pastor Marvin did a great job preaching and ministering these last couple weeks. He is over in Belmont today, hosting the service over there as Pastor Brian's away this week. Um, so he's over in Belmont today, but grateful for Pastor Marvin uh, the last couple weeks. But it's good to be back speaking with you today. As you turn to John chapter 15, if you don't have a Bible, there's one in the chair around you, uh, in front of you, or you can grab one out of the rack there. We're in the Gospel of John chapter 15 today. Um, let me ask you a question. Start with this. How many of you have ever had anyone tell you a truth that, you, that was hard to hear, but you needed to hear? Yeah, a few of you? Yeah, yeah. Just about, a lot of us had ourselves, someone told us a truth that was hard to hear, but we needed to hear. Kind of a light example of that in my life happened a few years ago when I was, of all things, went out to buy some new golf clubs. And I was out going out to buy some new golf clubs at the Galaxy of Golf here in Burlington down the street. And it had been a number of years since I had purchased new golf clubs and I was looking for new golf irons and I had saved up some money. I had actually asked for gift cards for birthday and, and other Christmas and I had all this uh, money saved up to buy these golf clubs and I go down to Golf Galaxy with this intention. I am walking out of this store with a new set of golf clubs today. That's it. I, you know, whatever happens, I'm going in. I've got the money in my pocket. I'm walking out with a new set of clubs. I walk in. Guy tells me, we'll bring in one of your old clubs so that we can, you know, see how you hit that. And then we'll give you some new clubs to test these out. No problem. Bring in my seven iron for my old set. And then he goes around and picks up a bunch of seven irons off a bunch of other sets so we can kind of compare them. Get a Callaway and a Titleist and a Cobra and all these different clubs. And, uh, and I go to the the uh, demo range there, and I hit my seven iron, my old seven iron, I hit that ball, and it goes a certain distance. I don't remember what it was, but it wasn't very far. Uh, and then I hit the other, one of the other seven irons from the other sets, brand new set, expensive set of clubs, goes about the same distance. And then I hit another club, brand new club, brand new set, hit that ball, goes about the same distance. Now, the guy who is helping me, you need to know, his job is to sell golf clubs. His job is to find people like me who probably don't need new golf clubs, but to anyway still sell them golf clubs. I mean, he puts food on his table for his children by selling people like me golf clubs. And I've got the money in my pocket and I'm ready and I am convinced I am walking out of the store with new golf clubs today. And so I hit these clubs, and, they, and I say, hey, what do you think? I say to this guy whose job it is to sell golf clubs. He looks at me, and he says, you might want to use that money to take some lessons instead. <laughs> His job is to sell golf clubs. And he tells me, you'd be better off with your old clubs and some lessons. Sometimes... A truth that you don't want to hear is still a truth you might need to hear. I still haven't gotten golf clubs and I still don't hit my seven iron very far. But anyways, the point is sometimes you need to hear a truth that's hard to hear. This morning we come in the Gospel of John to a truth that may be hard to hear, but if you are a Jesus follower, you're a Christian, you need to hear it. 
You come to a truth that sometimes it may not be easy to listen to, but if you're wise, you'll listen to it and you'll hear it. And here's why. Because some of us have come to follow Jesus under somewhat false pretenses. Some of us, some of you, maybe you've come to follow Jesus under, I won't say it's a lie, but maybe false pretenses, and that's this. Some of you may have started coming to church, or maybe you're coming here, or maybe you're following Jesus, because someone told you that if you follow Jesus, your life will be easy. Maybe someone told you that, look, you got all these problems in your life. You know what's going to fix all those problems in your life? Jesus. And if you'll just come to church, it'll fix all your problems and life will be easy and you'll be healthy and you'll be wealthy and you won't have to worry about this. So just come to church and follow Jesus and your life won't be difficult. And what happens when that happens is sometimes you come and suddenly things get difficult. And you say, wait a second. I thought things were maybe not easy, but easier. I thought things were, you know, what's, what's going on? So Jesus, as we come to this part of the Gospel of John, shares some hard news with us, but he shares it for an important reason. And in John 16, 4, let me start with this verse. He says, but I have said these things to you that when the hour comes, you remember that I told them to you. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you, that you would remember that I told them to you. Another translation says, I have said these things to you as a warning, to warn you, that he's telling you these things, that Jesus is saying, I'm saying these things to you. You need to hear them as a warning so that you might remember them when the time comes. Well, what is it Jesus wants us to hear? Let's look at it in chapter 15. I'm going to begin in verse 18. And this is the words of Jesus to his disciples, to his followers, before he leaves them and is crucified on the cross. And these are the words he says. He says, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own, because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world. Therefore, the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen and hated both me and my father. But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. But when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the father, he will bear witness about me. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. I have said these things to you to keep you from falling away. I don't know what you do when adversity comes your way, but that's exactly what Jesus is talking about in these verses. 
Here's what he's doing. He says two things real quickly. He says, I promise you adversity and persecution and hostility will come simply because you choose to follow me. He says, he says that's going to happen. That adversity will come just because you choose to follow me. And then secondly, he says, I'm telling you this for this reason so that you won't fall away when it does come. Because some people might have come to follow Jesus, might have started attending, attending church because they, they thought that life would become easier. It happened in Jesus' day too. People saw the miracles. They saw the feedings. They saw, they said, hey, this is great. Jesus says, it's not all this. It's gonna be difficult. In fact, he says, there are people who will hate you. And for no other reason, because you choose to follow me. And that's a hard truth, but it's a truth that you and I need to hear because if you think following Jesus means that your life is going to be easy all the time, at some point you're gonna hit up against something you didn't expect and Jesus is saying, I'm telling you this to warn you so that when it happens, not if, when it happens, you won't fall away. So is this something that was just true in Jesus' day or does it still happen today? Is it just 2,000 years ago his followers faced adversity? Or is there still adversity today? It's kind of a rhetorical question, I think. But let me argue for the fact that I think it is still the case today. There were more martyrs in the 20th century than any century before it, more martyrs for Christ. There are all kinds of cultural trends that will show you. Uh, you can just keep an eye on media or what late night comics joke about to find out what is acceptable to poke fun at, what is acceptable to show hostility and adversity towards, and it won't take long before you find out that Christians are a pretty easy and acceptable target. That there are times where people will have to, for taking a stand for Christ or blackballed or, or sent or not paid attention to or lose their jobs, it happens. Not the only reason it happens for, but it happens because of that. There's a reality of it. And you might think, well, you know, you're just, you know, kind of making maybe a bigger deal out of it than it is, or we're, you know, making a stickman argument. But let me just ask you this. Are there times when you, if you're a follower of Christ and you're a Christian, and you're standing around the Keurig machine at work with a cup of coffee, and, or you're standing around in school in the classroom, and there's a few people, and you're standing around a circle, and a topic of conversation comes up, and it becomes obvious that everyone believes that everyone else standing around that circle believes the exact same thing around it. And it's a topic that you know that because you follow Jesus, your worldview is different. That you have a different worldview on the topic. You have a different perspective. You don't agree with what was just said. You don't agree. And you know that if you say something in that moment, that you'll be labeled. Or you, if you say, well, the Bible says... Or what Jesus says, or I heard in church, or what I, that you know the moment you say that, that you are going to be put in a certain category with a certain label and maybe not paid attention to or not taken seriously. And so maybe it's not the larger cultural things that point to it, but maybe it's just suddenly those 
individual interactions you have and you realize, yeah, there is some adversity. There is some hostility. We don't necessarily face it in this country as it is in maybe other countries around the world. But I will tell you that what this country has experienced for the last 300 years is a statistical anomaly in the history of Christianity. The last 300 years of relative peace for Christians in this country, relative lack of adversity and persecution, now we can argue about what that is and maybe you would say there has been, but compared to what's taken place throughout history or in other parts of the world, Christians have lived in relative peace in this country for the last 300 years and that is really an anomaly when it comes to world history and Christianity and really an anomaly when it comes to the global uh, aspect of Christianity often too, that to live, that, that it's often that there is persecution. Not always, there's been spans of history where there hasn't been, of course, but those that truly choose to serve Christ often will experience some level of persecution. Not that every person who's not a Christian hates Christians, don't hear what I'm not saying, I'm not saying that. But I'm saying a world system that wants to say that there is no God and there is no one who can, from an outside perspective, tell everyone or demand worship that people would exalt them, that that's always going to stand against a person who will say there is a God and what he says is true for everyone everywhere all the time. A system that says no, truth is flexible and there isn't any one God who can say that is always going to butt heads and run into adversity. And that's what Jesus is saying. If you're going to take a stand for me, it's going to happen at some point. There's a lot of cultural critics that will uh, point this reality out. I'm just going to give you, I've been reading a few books lately on how Christians are to live in a world that's increasingly less and less godless. And uh, I think it's an interesting time that we live in. And I think it's worth being circumspect and thinking about how do we live in this world. So let me just give you a couple quotes from some guys I've been reading. One is from this gentleman, Pastor Larry Osborne. He wrote a book, Thriving in Babylon, Why Hope, Humility, and Wisdom Matter in a Godless Culture. He says, we live in a world gone haywire. Our moral fabric seems to be decaying at breakneck speed. Things that were once shamefully hidden are now publicly celebrated. The previously unimaginable has become commonplace. In a few short decades, our culture's response to Bible-believing Christians has gone from grudging respect to a patronizing pat on the head to marginalized indifference to outright hostility. One perspective. Another one is from Oz Guinness, his book, Impossible People. He says, the present stage of history and the character of the advanced modern world have combined to throw down a gauntlet before the church in the West that is as decisive as Rome's demand that Christians offer incense to Caesar as Lord. Now, you might say, well, that sounds extreme. I'm not sure I believe that. But other times where someone may jeopardize their livelihood, other times where someone might jeopardize their, uh, that you might put into place something that jeopardizes uh, your well-being in life simply because following Jesus. Um, That's what Oz is saying there. Charles Taylor, uh, in his book, A Secular Age, asked this question. Why was it virtually impossible to believe, to not to believe in God in, say, 1500 in our Western society while in 2000, many of us find this not only easy, but even inescapable. It's an interesting question to consider. I didn't live in 1500, neither do you. 
but you can imagine, and you've read about it, and you can imagine what it was like that almost everybody believed in some God, believed in God. There was some theism that, that was there. Christianity was a big part of that. So why is it that a mere 500 years ago, if you're going to say, well, there's no change, there are things are pretty much, why is it that a mere 500 years ago or say, everybody would say, yeah, there's a God or the vast majority of people would, and yet 500 years later, we live in a world that if I asked you to say, go on the commuter rail tomorrow or take the subway tomorrow, and I asked you to look around on this train and look around at the earbuds and the iPhones and the trendy clothes and the, and the newspapers, and I asked you, how many of you think are Jesus followers? I'm guessing the number you give me will be somewhere south of 50%. Maybe you would think we were the only Jesus followers on that train. Whereas 500 years ago, you look around and say, everyone of these people believes in God. Even if I just asked, how many of you think, how many of these people you think believe in God? You would say probably most don't. So our society has undergone a shift. Final quote from Rod Dreyer. Now Rod's a little... Well, that's a little more to one extreme than the other, but his perspective is, is helpful. He says, the light of Christianity is flickering out all over the West. There are people alive today who may live to see the effective death of Christianity within our civilization. By God's mercy, the faith may continue to flourish in the global South and China, but barring a dramatic reversal of current trends, it will all but disappear entirely from Europe and North America. Now you might say that is really depressing. This may not be the end of the world, but it is the end of a world. And only the willfully blind would deny it. For a long time we have downplayed or ignored the signs. Now the floodwaters are upon us and we are not ready. The church is flourishing in the world, but it is flourishing in the global south, places like China underground, other places, but it's Europe, North America, uh, the numbers are flat at best, and they're not even really flat. And so cultural critics would say, you know, you look and you say there's this shift going on. And so how is a Christian to live in the midst of this? What is the call? How are we to live? It's not all bad news. Um, you know, but there is, I know you didn't come in today to feel, well, I just depressed you. Good thing the sermon's not ending here. But it may be, seem a little bit depressing now, but Jesus said this is going to be the case. And here's why it's going to be the case. Because in 1518, he said, if the world hates you, know that it hated me before you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. So Jesus says, look, if you're going to stand with me, and the world system hated me, then it's going to hate you. Don't, don't expect that it's going to just embrace and love you when you stand with me. There's going to be times you're going to face adversity for the only reason that you choose to follow Jesus. And then he said, and the, one of the other reasons this is the case is because if you were like the world, the world would like you. It, it's not hard. If you don't stand up and stand out, there's no reason to really have any adversity or hostility. But if you're gonna stand with Jesus, you're gonna stand and say there's, there's the truth, not just a truth, and it's true for everyone and it's good for everyone, then at some point you're gonna run up against some people who are gonna say no. Not only is that wrong, it's dangerous. And there's going to be some hostility and some adversity that comes about and it happens. 
And, you know, it could be that, you know, you hear this and you say, no, I think you're, you're way off, Pastor, and it's just not, it's not in that direction. And maybe I am. But I would just say, I think there's times when you and I will face times of hostility and adversity simply because you choose to follow Jesus. And what will you do and how do you respond in that moment and in that time? What hope is there? From this passage, just three quick points as we close. Jesus gives hope and help. Thank God he does. It's not just, it's not all depressing. It's not that people will hate you and that's the end. He gives hope and help to us in the midst of that. So three things. First, he gives you peace. Chapter 16, verse 33. It says, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Here's what Jesus says. Whatever tribulations and whatever troubles you will have in this world, you're not gonna be immune from them. You don't get a pass just because you follow Jesus. You don't, you don't, get, you don't get a pass from the pain and the trouble that, that is experienced just because we live in this world, just because you follow Jesus. You will experience pain. You will experience tribulation. And one of those things may be that people are hostile towards you simply for following Jesus. But he says, that's okay because I've overcome the world and because you know that, you can have peace. In other words, knowing the end of the story gives you or should give you a certain level of peace about going through trouble in the midst of the story. It's like you already know the end. It doesn't mean you don't experience pain. It's kind of like a, a, a boxer at a boxing match sparring. That you might be sparring, and, you know, practicing, and you have some punches that land on you, and they hurt, but the title's not on the line. It's, it's not, you may have some, some punches that land on you when you're practicing, and those punches hurt just like they would in any other match, but the title's not on the line. In other words, Jesus has already won the war, even though you and I may still experience some pain in the midst of the battle. You having that certainty, Jesus says, should give you a level of peace. I've overcome the world. Uh, Harvard uh, psychologist Daniel Gilbert, uh, through a series of studies on people's happiness and unhappiness, uh, wrote an article called What You Don't Know Makes You Nervous. And one of the conclusions he came to was this, an uncertain future leaves us stranded in an unhappy present with nothing to do but wait. If your future is uncertain, why are we so unhappy? Why do we get so anxious all the time? Because oftentimes he says the reason people in, a, in the Western world, in America specifically, have so much and yet are so anxious and so unhappy is because they're so uncertain about the future. And so it makes so much sense that 2,000 years ago, Jesus would say, have peace, because I've overcome the world. Because you know the end of the story, because you know that, that, that Jesus overcomes, you're able to have peace in the midst of it. Second thing you have in the midst of adversity and in the midst of hostility is power. 
Jesus says, I'll send a helper. I'll send a helper for you. I'll send the Holy Spirit. Chapter 16, verse 7. He says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. That's a powerful statement because a lot of us would say, man, I wish I lived in Jesus' day. Wouldn't it be great to have walked the earth when Jesus walked the earth? Wouldn't it be cool to be, you know, there and seeing him do miracles? Sure, it would have been. But what Jesus says, it's better when I went away. It's better for the people when I went away that came after that because they have the helper, the Holy Spirit that God released after Jesus ascended back into heaven. He says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I'll send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Jesus says, I'm going to go away and you'll experience some hostility. You'll experience adversity simply for following me. But you can have peace because I've overcome the world. You know the end of the story. And you'll have power. You'll have the power to live this life that I've called you to live because the Holy Spirit's gonna come and his job is one, to convict the world of sin. You don't have to convict the world of sin. The Holy Spirit will do that. And his job is to lead you into all truth and to guide you. The word there for helper, the Greek word is paraclete. And it has an image attached to it. It's a military image. And a paraclete in a Greek military were two warriors that would go out together. And when they would fight, they would fight back to back. Uh, the paraclete would be on your back facing the other way. So what it essentially does is eliminates your blind spot. But in other words, what Jesus is saying is, I'll send you a helper who's got your back. That you won't have to walk through the adversity and the hostility that I'm telling you you're going to have to face by yourself. So when you're in a situation where someone, you know you're speaking up for Christ, you know your stand for Christ is going to cost you something, and yet you know just as much that in that moment God is telling you to speak and stand up, that Jesus says there's a helper that'll be with you, and he's got your back. And it may cost you something, or you may think it's gonna cost you something. Maybe it cost you a level of prestige. Maybe it cost you a promotion. Maybe it just cost you respect in people's eyes. And that's something that you're fearful of. That's something that we're all uh, fearful of. Nobody wants that. And yet Jesus says, when you are confident that you have to do that, that God's called you to do that, and it's gonna cost you something, that there's a helper. There's a paraclete, there's a warrior, there's a power that's with you and he's got your back. Doesn't mean everything always works out the way you would want it to every time because if that, it meant that, there would never have been a martyr for the Christian faith. Doesn't always mean that. 
means you'll never walk through it alone, though. And it means that God will be with you. So he gives you a power as well as a peace. And the final thing is he's made you a promise. Chapter 16, verse 19 through 22. Jesus says, Jesus knew that they wanted to ask him, so he said to them, is this what you are asking yourselves, what I meant by saying a little while and you will not see me, and again a little while and you will see me? Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for the joy that a human being has been born into the world. So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again and your hearts will rejoice and no one will take your joy from you. Now this may shock you, but I have never given birth. So I'm not going to pretend to even have any idea what that pain is like. And some of you ladies may, who have given birth, may hear those words and you say, Jesus, I am with you on every word you have ever said. But forgetting the pain of childbirth, I have a hard time going with you there. I don't know if that's, if that's the way you're feeling or not, but here's what I know. If it was not true what Jesus said, then everyone would be an only child. If it was not true what Jesus said, then everyone will be like, all right, that's the end of that. We're done. Never again. But what Jesus says is even though there's sorrow, there's pain, there's difficulty, when you hold that baby that has been born, somehow that sorrow, that pain, that difficulty pales in comparison to the joy that you're experiencing in that moment. And he says, here's the promise, that you in this world will experience hostility, adversity, tribulation, trouble, difficulty. Some of it's going to come about because you live in a world that's broken. Some of it's going to come about simply because you choose to follow Jesus. But when you do, you have this promise that one day your sorrow will be replaced with a joy and that joy will be so great that the, any pain or sorrow is going to pale into the distance till you nearly forget about it. And you have that promise. And so maybe you today are in that situation where you have trouble in your life, you have tribulation, you have maybe you're in a situation where you have experienced hostility or adversity in your family, in your work situation, and it's causing you pain. And yet you know that just Jesus, you know you're doing the right thing, you know that Jesus has called you to follow him, you know that this is where you're supposed to be, you know that this is what you're supposed to be doing. And Jesus says, look, one day you'll have a joy that will not be taken away from you and the sorrow and the pain that you feel now is going to pale in comparison. You won't, you won't even remember the pain that you feel now. That's a promise. So he gives you his peace because he says, hey, you know, the end of the story, I've overcome the world. He gives you a power. He says the Holy Spirit will be with you. And he gives you a promise. He gives you a promise. He says your sorrow will one day turn into joy. So here's the thing. Here's what we close out today. This is the bottom line. When you experience hostility for Jesus, remember the hope and help that you have from Jesus. 
When you experience someone or adversity or hostility in your life, just for the fact that you follow Jesus, remember that he's given you hope and he's given you help in order to walk the place and the path that he has called you to walk. So this morning, if you experience hostility for Jesus, remember the hope that you have from Jesus. How do you stand up in the face of adversity or the face of hostility as a Christian and as a Christ follower? You can do it because you can have peace because you know and you're certain of the end. You can do it because God has given you his Holy Spirit and he promises he's got your back and he'll be with you. And you can do it because he promises that his, your sorrow will one day turn into joy. So if you're in that situation, that's your hope this morning. But maybe you're here this morning and you're in a situation where you're not experiencing a lot of hostility. In fact, this message, you've heard most of this message and you're like, you know, I, I'm not sure I can relate to that. I'm not sure I even, you know, I think life is smooth. I get along with my, you know, everyone around me. I, I don't have a work situation. I mean, I mean, you know, God be with the people who do, but I'm, my situation's not like that. I don't have a lot of hostility then you have one of two things that you need to do if that's the case with you. One, you might just need to thank God for the situation that you have in your life right now. Thank you, Lord, that I am not in a situation where I feel like I'm experiencing hostility and adversity simply because of my faith in Jesus Christ. Maybe that you just need to thank God for his grace and his mercy to you at this stage and at this place in your life right now. But there's a second thing you might need to do. The second thing is to evaluate your own heart and say, am I in this place of comfort and lack of adversity simply because I have not been willing to take a stand that God has called me to take? Have I shied away from showing and sharing the message of Jesus Christ simply because of what it might cost me in my situation? Have I avoided hostility not because God has granted me a level of peace but because I have avoided standing up or standing out for him in my current situation? I'm not talking about adversity for adversity's sake. I'm not talking about, you know, making a stink just so people won't like you. That's not what I'm talking about. There's no, there's no badge of courage given out for that. But I'm talking about when God has called you and you know he has, and he's given you the opportunity to take a stand and speak up for him and you have shied away from it simply because it's gonna cost you something. What Jesus says here is if you choose to follow me, it's going to cost you something. At some point, you're going to experience adversity and hostility because of that choice. And I ask our music ministry to return, and we're going to respond to God's word together. I'm going to give you one last quote and one last scripture. The quote is, again, from Oz Guinness's Impossible People book. It's a little bit of a lengthier quote, but it's a challenge for us to receive. And here it is. Oz Guinness says this, as I write now, we are witnessing almost daily the same astonishing courage of Christians in many countries of the world, but especially in the Islamic Middle East that was once a cradle of the church. Day after day, Christians are standing as martyrs 
facing false charges, assaults, mutilations, rape, religious cleansing, murder, bomb blasts, beheadings, and even crucifixions, all because they will not renounce the name of Jesus. And what of the West? Are we showing that we too are prepared to follow Jesus and his authority at any cost? When an imperceptible bow would have saved Daniel's three friends, they defied King Nebuchadnezzar's idolatry at the threat of being burned alive. When simply closing a window or drawing his curtain could have saved Daniel himself, he chose to risk the lions rather than mute his allegiance to God. When a mere whiff of incense would have saved their lives, early Christians refused to acknowledge Caesar as Lord rather than Jesus and were made human torches or the evening meal for wild animals. When it seemed quixotic to take on the emperor, the empress, and all the empire, Athanasius took his stand for truth contra mundum against the world and was exiled five times for his faithfulness. When he was told he was arrogant or out of his mind to follow his conscience and defy the consensus tradition, Martin Luther stood firm in the face of the fiery stake that had cremated John Huss before him. When his closest friends urged him to save himself for the important work of his future scholarship, Dietrich Bonhoeffer chose to re-enter Hitler's lair and ignore the looming specter of the gallows. What then of us? Are we living in the light of a great cloud of witnesses and martyrs who have gone before us? Or in the comfortable conditions of the advanced modern world where the seductions of modernity are more of a threat to our faithfulness than persecution? Place where the seductions of modernity are more a threat to our faithfulness than persecution. And maybe that's it. Life pretty comfortable. Things are going pretty good for you. And maybe rocking the boat would cost you something. Maybe taking a stand for Jesus would cost you something. And yet as sure as you know it would cost you something, you know that God is calling you to do it. Jesus said you'll face adversity. The last scripture I'll share is from Hebrews 11. It's from a chapter that uh, it's called the Hall of Faith because it celebrates the faithfulness of so many great people. But I want to go to the end of the chapter that sometimes doesn't get as much listening to. Listen to the courage it starts out with and then listen to how it changes tones. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell Gideon Tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith, here's what they did, conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of the fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. When women received back their dead from resurrection, all that were like, yay, that sounds exciting, that sounds great. It's like brave heart of the Bible, right? But here's, here's what happens next. Some 
So you have all those faithful people who did all these amazing things, conquered foreign armies, conquered wars. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy. All I'm saying is this. If you've come to follow Jesus, don't come under false pretenses that someone has told you that come follow Jesus and everything's going to be easy. Because just as much as those people in the first part of Hebrews 11 conquered armies and battles and God loved them, the ones that were tortured and sawn in two and stoned, God loved them too. And so I don't know what your future holds. And look, I think we're at an interesting place in our culture and you can look at one side and say, look, things are great. You're over-exaggerating. You're creating a boogeyman, a stickman argument. It's not true. Maybe you're right. It doesn't look like it's going that way to me. And when you find yourself in a place of adversity and difficulty, when you find yourself at a place where maybe just simply for taking a stand for Christ that you'll experience consequences and a cost for it just know that you have peace that Jesus has overcome the world you have power the Holy Spirit is with you and you have a promise that one day your joy will never be taken away from you and it will outstrip any sorrow that you have experienced would you stand with me so pray I pray I'm just going to ask you to search your heart Maybe you're here and you just need to be reminded and comforted because you're in a place of adversity. And you need to remind that God's with you and you're doing the right thing. And God encourage you by his Holy Spirit to continue the walk that he's called you to. But each of us here at least need to ask the question, if you and I are a follower of Jesus, ask the question, is there any place in my life where I have shied away standing up for Jesus because I'm afraid of the cost? Let us be a people who will follow Christ with all that we have and all that we are. And if you're in here, I recognize there may be another group, and you're not a follower of Jesus, that you came on a great Sunday, because now you know the truth. If you choose to follow this God, if you choose to make this Jesus Lord of your life, you get all those promises of grace and forgiveness and mercy and love and eternal life and heaven and a community of believers and all of that. But you can expect that you'll also get hostility, adversity, and persecution simply for identifying with this Jesus. But he wants you, and he loves you. Father, thank you. God, search our hearts even as we sing this song of worship to you. Let us know, Lord, if we're able to sing these songs with integrity of heart, sing these words with integrity in our heart, or if there's some place in our heart that we need to give over to you so that you are completely Lord of who we are. Father, make us a church. Make us a church who will stand for you and with you. Lord, teach us, Lord, to follow you. We follow you, Lord. 
but we want to do it better. Teach us how to do that, Lord, today in Jesus' name.